0: everybody and welcome to another bp movie journal the show we do where we talk about the stuff we've seen since the last time we did one of these i'm david i'm tyler the last time it had been a long time since <laughs> yeah. we did one of these
1: this couldn't be less like that
0: yeah this will be this will be the opposite this will be real quick uh <sighs> get in get out smash and grab job mm-hmm. uh as it were um but we would be doing it we would be doing a disservice to you to not do this episode this week, because then you wouldn't get to hear about our great sponsor.
1: Exactly. I mean, they'd hear them next week, but either way. Uh, yeah. So this, uh, movie journal is brought to you by Miniflix, a premier streaming site for award-winning short films. Miniflix flicks acquire short films that have premiered at Cannes, Sundance, uh, TIFF. That's Toronto international film festival for those not in the know, uh, and many more, uh, meaning you can see I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, this guy I don't hear
0: in the, yeah,
1: it's. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I assume if you're listening to this, you're in the know, uh-huh. but maybe you're new. I don't know. But, uh, in the new. But we call it uh, we call it TIFF yeah. around these parts. Yeah. Uh, so you can see uh, great short films that are available nowhere else online. Uh, Miniflix all, uh, also offers several Oscar-nominated and Oscar-winning short films unavailable on t- on typical free video platforms. So along with these great short films, Miniflix also has a uh, blog featuring editorials and interviews. This week, they interviewed Professor of Cinema and... media art at Biola University, Dean Yamada, who talks about his time getting an MFA at USC, teaching short films to the current generation of students, and what it's like to direct a short film when the entire crew are your own film school students, which is, having gone to UCLA, uh, I've told that story many times about seeing... Uh, Francis Ford Coppola on campus, and when uh-huh. I and when I told that someone, was are like, "Oh yeah, he is here all the time because the students are just free labor." <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, uh, you can read this uh, interview with uh, Dean Yamada. So, to check out that and other articles and interviews, just go to the page for this week's movie journal and click on the Miniflix uh, banner at the bottom. Pardon me. Um, yeah,
0: I love uh, I love Francis Ford Coppola. I I do too. I, I love wish- the way he makes movies. That it's like. He- I don't know. I guess the guy has had every opportunity to sell out and you could point at some of his movies and say, maybe he did at one point or another, but then he just goes right back to making whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. I mean, it's a
1: a while ago. Um, we had a conversation about relevance. Um, -hmm. when a, when a, actor or director or whatever are considered whenever they're considered irrelevant, which is a, a phrase that I don't really like. Um, but I would say that Coppola Has done things so much his own way, which is admirable, but in doing so, he is no longer really a part of the larger conversation the way that a lot of other directors of his generation are. Like, Spielberg may have lost a step, but he is still part of the conversation. Scorsese is still going as strong as ever. Um, But I feel like Coppola just... No, people don't talk about him very much anymore.
0: I think, I mean, this is being optimistic about the idea that there will still be, you know, human beings and civilization in 80 or so years. But I feel like long, long-term wise, mm-hmm. I feel like Francis Ford Coppola. time will, will, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, tell, give him justice or whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I mean, he could be, honestly, he's still around. And so when he, passes away uh i wouldn't be surprised if people look at him the way people look at orson wells um yeah. who had like these early you know ach- cinematic achievements and even then like wells his films weren't that lucrative whereas godfather is the top movie of that year and then he made conversation godfather too like he had this yeah. this huge uh he was this huge presence uh in the filmmaking landscape in the 1970s and then he kind of it's not that he went off the rails or anything. He just made a couple of choices that made him not quite so accessible. Uh, and I think that when people look back, they will, and he's gone, they'll look at his whole career and they'll see that, Hey, just cause he wasn't making stuff on a huge scale, that doesn't right. mean he wasn't making interesting stuff. Yeah.
0: There'll be criterion or whatever the 80 year in the future yeah. equivalent is Editions of <laughs> Twixt and Tetro and youth without youth. Right. And all these things that are, um, I think, maybe maybe unfairly seen as like minor works because they're not financially right. Or publicity wise, uh, big splashes. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I I think time might end up being kinder to him than some of his contemporaries.
1: Yeah. There might be somebody who talks about, C- copalian tomfoolery uh in, in <laughs> yeah. regards to twixt and that sort of thing but uh but yeah, yeah in the same way that we talk about f for fake and and certain other you know late wells films that were not didn't make a huge splash at the time i think people will look at somebody like a coppola um they will maybe also talk about jack unfortunately yeah um, the rainmaker
0: yeah but, but and even the Rainmaker, which like, I, I never saw the Rainmaker it's fine. I did see jack i didn 't care for it uh, yeah, no <laughs> nobody
1: did, nor should you have, but uh, Rainmaker has its moments it 's okay. it's, it's an effective film i don 't see any. I don't really see any trace of Coppola in there it feels very much like a journeyman made it but uh but anyway so okay sorry we can we can move on now
0: uh sure yes let's talk about some movies I guess you have one movie to talk about mm-hmm. you should probably go first okay I saw M. Night Shyamalan's Glass um and I rushed to to see
1: it yeah there was a it was did we get notification at the last minute or did somebody drop out or what i
0: had to i don't understand (coughs) like i don't know usually universal is like the old reliable and i felt like why am i having to hound universal for a press screening invite they didn't get back to me until the day of the screening but i'm glad they got back to me thank you universal i hope it was just an oversight and this isn't going to be the way it goes going forward. Yeah. Universal has been like, it was like one of the first universal and Disney were like the first studios to be like battleship retention. You are in, you're on the list and I've like never really had to uh, chase them, uh, for stuff. Uh, so it was kind of, uh, uh, worrying I don't know but this is behind the scenes stuff. indeed anyway so yeah we, I didn't know there that I didn't we didn't officially have the invite to the screening until the day of the screening yeah. and I couldn't make it and I'm sure they're
1: thrilled that we went because they were rewarded with a one a, a longer than normal review of me talking about how much I don't like the movie yeah um, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh I like Unbreakable, have not seen it since the theater, but uh, it has certainly grown in my mind since then. And I appreciated Split in a lot of ways. It is a little bit schlocky and more than a little bit exploitative. Um, exploitative. I don't know why I said exploitative. Um, and so I was looking forward to Glass. And it's if you read my review, the first two paragraphs are spent talking about how words don't don't do justice to the kind of intangible bad mm. that glass is um you can point to the individual things that don't work but that doesn't feel right like in the way that there are some movies that are just marvelous and in that way to point out any one thing about them even if you're going down a list to choose one thing first it feels yeah, wrong because it diminishes it yeah. yeah because it's it's this complete thing and that's how glass feels to me but yes. in the other direction
0: yeah um, some of my least favorite <laughs> reviews that i've ever written are for movies that i love because i felt like yeah. to try and talk about i still like the um the movie Certain Women, which is one of my, that, mm-hmm. one of my favorite, favorite movies of the last five years or so, I cringe at my review of it. It's it's so superficial, or uh, yeah. it feels so superficial to me because the movie is so gargantuan in my mind, and I couldn't fit it.
1: Yeah, in a situation like this, whether it be positive or negative, my reviews often wind up being longer, partially because I'm like, I'm going to give myself as much time as I need, <laughs> uh, and even then, it, it, I feel like I come up short. And Glass, it's just... structurally it makes it, it it makes no real choices. I think that's the thing is that I think M night Shyamalan was very eager to explore certain concepts, but, and I think he realized, Oh, I guess I need a story to do that. And that seems to be where it ends because (laughs) he, the story is shockingly meandering. Uh, and, there's a long stretch where we're just at this mental hospital with uh the the uh, Bruce Willis character and then Mr. Glass and then the Horde and they're all in separate rooms and Sarah Paulson as the this psychiatrist she is the one connecting all of them and she's the one doing most of the talking which is not a bad thing cuz Sarah Paulson's a great actress mm-hmm. but her character is almost just is mostly just an exposition machine um and and that's the thing is Mr. Glass is under heavy he's heavily sedated so he's not even talking uh the bruce willis character he's very like tight-lipped and isn't really saying anything and bruce willis is putting zero effort into his performance i was gonna ask is this did this movie wake bruce willis up you'd think so but no not at all too bad um i was hoping that it would uh admittedly and, and some of it i'm willing to put down to they just play up the strong silent part of the character mm-hmm. and there's just nothing there there's not much for him to do but if he were engaged he'd find a way uh but there's really nothing there he looks completely bored he seems so checked out lately in so many roles not i mean in in my review it's like 2012 he i think he did good work in Looper i think he did great work in Moonrise Kingdom yeah uh and that's the last time he's i kind of
0: put his feet up after that <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: And he's like ah uh, what don't wasn't it you remember that time i was a movie star it's like hey Bruce, you know, you're still in movies, right? What's up? <laughs> um, and so, uh, <laughs> yeah, you <it's> know,
0: like, <laughs> you were in death wish last <laughs> year. Is that why Vincent <laughs> was yelling at me? <laughs> uh,
1: Mr. Willis, the camera is rolling right now. <laughs> Can you please say the dialogue that we've paid you this money to say? Um, <clears throat> but yeah. And, uh, I mean, James McAvoy is putting in, you know, a lot of effort, which is fine. I do think that this isn't something that I put in my review and I'm not someone who is usually... I don't like to talk about feeling personally offended, uh, especially if it has nothing to do with me. Um, what I will say is that when watching Split, which you've seen, right? Uh-huh. The, the way they deal with his, his you know, disassociative uh, personality disorder, uh, I think... Because the film was about him and about Anya Taylor Joy, I think it actually gave him time for the various personalities to develop and you feel tremendous sympathy and mm-hmm. you're, you're able to spend long enough with certain of the personalities to get a sense of who they are. Whereas now he is one of three and I would say uh, he's one of three characters in the film. I would say four with Sarah Paulson and we kind of need to bounce around. Is
0: Anya taylor Joy
1: in Glass? She, she is, but okay. you know, as is, um, What's his name? Spencer Treat Clark, who's uh, Bruce Willis's son oh, okay. uh, in Unbreakable, and he's back here. Um, and so there, there is a, definitely a, a supporting cast, but there's like a, it's like a four-hander. And even though two of them are uh, might as well be silent, um, we don't get the time with the various personalities, which means we shift between them so quickly that it becomes it it it's very clearly being used often for comedy and the tr- the real hell of having all of these personalities inside you mm-hmm. and the do- the ones that are dominant might not be the ones that you would lo- want to be dominant like the true hell started to come through in split here it's it's viewed as almost this amusing Mm. lark um and that's not james mcavoy's fault i think it's the fault of the script and just and a and a, a very unfocused m night Shyamalan, and he's just so interested in his in his themes that he forgets that and they're perfectly fine themes but uh he forgets that you do need to still engage us with these characters, with the story, with the filmmaking, you still need to do all of that. And he just does not, mm. um, by far the most exciting part of my experience was, uh, a pretty notable celebrity sighting, uh, right. afterwards. Okay. As I
0: was, t- as I was talking with my friends in the lobby. Um, first off, mm. I'm, uh, sad to hear you say that uh, even the film making is not sharp. I know. Even Lady in the Water, which a lot of people hate, and is kind of him off his rocker in some senses. Yeah. I still really enjoy the way the film was put together and paced.
1: Yeah. uh, And and I I thought Split Um, was really well edited, and this just felt lackluster.
0: Okay, so... Celebrity
1: sighting. Yeah. You're at the Arcline Hollywood. That's right. As I recall. There were a few celebrity sightings. This one was, okay, I'll tell you the, f- the first two. Okay, all right. To give you an, a sense of, okay, one of them, I don't remember the name of the actor, but he was the the politician brother in Heroes. Okay. The guy yeah, who could fly. Uh, okay. Adrian Pazdar? That sounds right to me, yeah. yes. So I saw him. Then I saw Gary Sinise. Oh, wow. So here's the thing. If I had not seen this other guy, Gary Sinise is the one you'd be guessing right now. Okay. So keep this in mind. Guy. Okay.
0: Sorry. Okay. There we go. Uh, guy, um, actor. No musician. Yes. Has this person acted Uh, Uh, a a little like as himself. Okay. Uh, Paul Simon. No, Elton John. No. (laughs) Am I getting closer with Elton John? Yes. Is he British? Yes. Is he a white man? Yes. Is he John Lydon? Johnny Rotten? No. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, is he still making music? Yes. Is he older than us? Oh, yes. Okay, so he's an elder statesman, you yeah, say? Yeah, I'd say so. Brian Ferry? No. Um, you were right there with Elton
1: John. Like, you're, you're getting real
0: close. Really?
1: Getting yeah. Close. Uh, Roger Waters? No, you're okay, you're Pete you're Townsend. at you're at about a, you're at that level, no. Maybe one you know what? Maybe one step down okay. from Alan so Jones. Is this guy
0: a solo artist or a member of a band? What do I know him most from?
1: I would say solo artist, but his band does have a name.
0: <laughs> is it
1: like the something the his name band? It's his name and the something. Okay. Like Jesse and the Rippers. Right. <laughs> I saw John Stamos is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm, so, This is the point at which okay. someone in the in the listenership has gotten it, and now this has gone from being fun to torturous. But... Yeah, it always happens, but um, that's all right. Am I a fan? Yes. Have
1: I seen them, do you think? Not that I'm aware of, but maybe. Okay. Um, you see more stuff than I do, so I can't even keep track.
0: Uh oh i need another hint uh when you picture elton john uh-huh. what do you picture big glasses okay <laughs> so someone picked, see now someone definitely has it and i can't uh so it wasn't mick jagger it was not because it's not mick jagger and the rolling stone <laughs> <laughs> although kind of it is you know um was he wearing the, a big was he wearing big glasses when you saw him yes Oh, Elvis Costello? That's correct. Oh, that's a good one. That's yeah. a, that was exciting, right? Like he is yeah. a That's a good one. He's yeah. an
1: iconoclast. <laughs> that's true. So uh, uh all right. was, so yeah, that was very exciting. And it was it literally came like it's like, oh, that's that guy from Heroes. I wish I remembered his name. Holy shit, Gary Sinise. All right, I got something for the show.
0: Whoa. And I was really, really excited. <laughs> all right. Um I also only have one movie. Okay. Uh I watched uh and I forgot how to say his name. Timo Gijanto's, I think Uh, The Night Comes for Us, which is an Indonesian action movie. Um, I know this guy's work as a horror-ish director from anthology films such as ABC's Of Death and, uh, more notably, VHS2, where he, along with Gareth Evans of The Raid, co-directed the best uh, segment of VHS2. Um, The Night Comes for Us is... Not a horror, it's very much more an action movie than a horror movie, except it has it definitely has horror level, beyond horror level gore. Mm -hmm. It's one of the goriest action movies I've ever seen. Okay, um, like it's, I mean, I I see plenty of movies, I've seen some crazy stuff before. This movie, uh, there were times I was like looking over at my dog like are you seeing this <laughs> <laughs> this is fucked up um, in fact when like i started watching it and my wife was like kind of around like not watching but like on the computer or walking back and forth and at one point uh I, well this will a little bit my wife mostly especially when it's just the two of us calls me davy that's like a that name so she like looked up for her phone and she went Damn, Davey. Like, she was like every. She's like every time I look up, something horrible is happening. <laughs> because that's the way this movie is. It's like it's not just enough to like have to fight a bunch of guys and like oh you stabbed that guy, you broke the guy's neck. It's like no, then you get the body down on the floor and then crush the head into a bloody pulp. Oh wow! And it's just like constant stuff like that. Um, unfortunately, I do think that that kind of takes over. Like the sure. The, I mean, the, the plot is very boilerplate stuff. It's just a. Uh, Uh, a guy who works for uh, organized crime and is tasked with leading a team to massacre an entire fishing village because they're, they're skimming from the drug trade. That's like Mm -hmm. being gone through this fishing village village. And then uh, he can't bring himself to kill this one little girl. And so he kills his compatriots. And then the rest of the organized crime are all like, get this guy. So it's just wave after wave of guys coming at him. Um, including, uh, and I guess this is the the emotional crux of the movie. Including one of his friends uh, <laughs> is now like heads up another group in the in the organization in this country <laughs> After anyway, um, and I don't mind that it's a a boilerplate action movie type story. Like a lot, you know, the raid is just you know making oh, to yeah. the top of this building. But yeah. it's like, um, but I do think. When you're at over two hours long, as this is, Oof. and um, I, I, I felt like the inventiveness of the gore mostly ran out pretty quickly, although there are some things later in the movie. Um, the last couple fights, like the last big fight between the guy and his friend. Spoiler, that's what it comes down to. That's <clears not> gonna, <laughs> that's kind of what you're uh, waiting for. And then the previous fight, which is a three-way fight between three lady henchmen mm. are awesome fights, but so much of it is just one guy gets a group of guys who in old timey action movie tradition attack him one or maybe two at a time. Yeah. So it's like, you're seeing these wide shots and there's just a guy standing in the back with a machete. Like, <laughs> why aren't you? Da- he's <laughs> just go. He's got two yeah. guys on him. You <laughs> can totally kill him right now. Yeah. Uh, but he's waiting his turn. I know that's like a, uh, uh, some of that is just like, you know, grain of salt or whatever, but, um, I felt that a, a lot of the fights were really samey and it kind of drags for um, especially once you get around the 90 minute mark but then the last 20-25 minutes really do pick up again and there's a thing I'm not going to go into details but speaking of gore there's uh, um, like one one is the three ladies fight uh, lady fights Um, one of them says the other like calls her a bitch or something and she's like uh, you know you're gonna regret that decision. He's just like, "What? Calling you a bitch?" It's like she's like, "No, wearing white." <laughs> and then there's a again, not gonna go into details, but there's a steel garret and a uh, window air conditioning unit that come into play that. <laughs> turn into a very very bloody end for one of these people and yeah yeah, the white the the white (laughs) shirt turns pure red of course
1: Um, and that's I I really in
0: in, uh, Peter
1: Greenaway fashion it's like she (laughs) walked into another room
0: yeah Um, I I really enjoyed the inventiveness and the sort of holy fuck gore of the last half hour of uh, of the movie or so Um, but it is it's a little bit too much of a slog to get there I can't really recommend it unless I mean, there are people who are listening to this right now and have heard everything I said and are like, sure, I can't wait to watch that movie. And you know what? Then it's for you. You'll probably get what you want out of it. But I did. I I did think it was a little numbing
1: that that was the word I was I was thinking um, as you were describing it, Um, because I did like the raid redemption and it is almost nonstop action. But I do feel like the action scenes, I feel like there's enough. Variance there's between tightening. them. Yeah. There's variance. And it's yeah. like, here's one between two people. Here's one where it's one guy versus a lot. And it's, here's going down a hallway. Here's going upstairs. Here's it, in one room. Here's different. Here's something with, uh, bl- you know, bladed things. Here's blunt instruments. Like, I yeah. feel like there's enough variance that it, it really also, kept me
0: interested. The raid also uses hallways and doorways to avoid that guys waiting around to attack thing thing because it creates bottlenecks. Yeah. Which this movie does like early on, but then it sort of abandons that uh, (laughs) and just has guys standing around like swinging a mace, like waiting for their turn. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I know that's, that's one of those nitpicky complaints that I wouldn't be complaining about if I otherwise liked the movie. So I should shut up about it. Right. But um, I, I didn't hate the movie. And if this is your thing, it's your thing. Um, it's on Netflix. Um, it's called "The Night Comes for Us." Okay, and you had a TV show to talk about. I did. Yes, I. Um,
1: I, as you know, I've been watching old seasons of uh, Amazing Race, okay. and I. We've been on season three for a while. We're almost done, and I gotta say and uh you know i'm fifth, i'm like 17 years late to the party here but uh by far the worst and most annoying racer oh. i've ever seen in the history of the show and it's a pretty you know yeah that's a that's a high bar cuz there are some rough people that we've seen throughout the years this woman flo is I mean, Jen and I were just f- flabbergasted huh. by this horrendous woman, um, and it's it's her and her friend Zach, uh, and the the whole thing is that they've been friends for years, and there's always been a slight romantic spark there. But as one, but when one would be available, the other would be in a relationship. So now neither of them are. Together, Uh, Neither of them are with anybody. And so they are now going to um, try this out and see if they're interested. Uh, But then like along the way, she becomes much more romantically interested in one of the other racers. So she winds up spending time with them and leaving this guy, Zach, I'm not talking about like friend zone stuff, but at the very least, you know, you, you, you leave with the person that brung Uh, (laughs) you. And, and he, there, there are literally moments where they, they all have to drive their rental cars onto a train, and then the train uh, transports the cars. And so there's a moment where you see Zach sitting alone in his car because Flo is hanging out in the car of this other team because this is the guy she's attracted to. Okay, that in itself, I'd say, not super nice but right. it's not the end of the world. Yeah. But yeah. the rest of the time he does all the challenges she, uh, and then on those rare occasions where she has to do something, she cannot do it. Cries, yells at him, uh, and then just, and is constantly berating him for, uh, for like not even actually going in the wrong direction, but going in what she at the, th- at the moment perceives as the wrong direction, which incidentally is not, uh, he is quite possibly the most competent racer I've ever seen. Um,
0: and, um, and yeah. I mean, I've never really seen people like that on the show before who don't want to carry their weight on the team. And, I, but,
1: and also like, and she, after a certain point when they are, they're in like the top three and she wants to quit because she's so tired and this race is so hard. And then she's like, she goes, I don't work all night and all day to do this. And he's just sitting there, not saying, you're not working, you're staying awake, which I guess is a big win for you. Uh, But I'm doing all the work. Uh, I mean, it is, like Jen, I'm talking about the the whinier parts, but she, like, she yells at him so much, other teams have said, hey, don't yell at him. it's it's wow. enough that like Jen said, she's like this woman is a is the worst and like an absolute bully and and it's it feels very much like even though they're just friends, it feels like an abusive relationship where he just absorbs and I don't know if he internalizes, but he's just
0: I mean the patience and it, okay. They win. <laughs> I was going to say, I just now looked them up to see if I knew who they were and spoiled it for myself. Yeah. But I didn't want to say for you because I didn't know if you did yeah, no, no. it or not.
1: They win. And so, which means you're seeing her the whole season. Yeah. And it's interesting for the first half of the season, she's not great, but she's fluent in a number of languages. Okay. And so it's like, all right, she's helping there. All right. And then she gets out of her element. And from then on, she is an absolute horror show of a human being. And it is infuriating that I, I bet they still split it 50, 50. (laughs) Like, and I'm sure in her mind, I can't speak to what it is now, but I'm sure in her mind, she's like, she goes absolutely 50, 50. I did my part. (laughs) like, because on top of everything else, she was also extremely well, delusional. Yeah, and I know. The, I know the race is stressful, but and it also, can bring out bad things. But
0: the thing I always, I always wonder about people who seem so unself-aware on The Amazing Race or other reality shows. Yeah, let The Amazing Race is. Do they then, when it airs, are they online? Are they seeing the comments? Are they realizing? Because do you remember that? The the couple who were two doctors, and the guy was so oh, condescending yeah. to his yeah. wife. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and started out, because I think that was, we were doing movie journals at that time, I think, and we were talking about, he started out as a team we liked. Yeah. Because he was like, guys, let's make sure to take in the scenery. Like, let's, yeah. we're traveling. And I was like, oh, I always wanted people to be like that. But as the season went, went on, and yeah. we learned that she, they're married now but they met when he was her teacher yeah that dynamic clearly never went away right and i i always wondered like did that guy or did even she maybe sort of did either of them realize something about their relationship that they hadn't previously because of the yeah
1: oh i have no doubt that zach knew the whole time uh (laughs) how this was going um but yeah uh i will say that uh looking things up um so she wound up once the race was over dating this guy from this other team, uh, when, at least it wasn't a waste. I guess. They're not dating anymore. Okay. Um, but, uh, Doesn't mean it was a waste. What was that? Mean that's it was true. A waste. Yeah. Uh, and then actually the, uh, the show invited the two of them to come back. Not, oh. not this guy who was, it was him and his twin brother. So like not the twin brother and not Zach, the show invited the two of them since they were a couple. And, Flo said no for two reasons. She said, the race brings out the worst in me. So good for her for realizing that. And she also said, she goes, it would not feel right doing it, coming back without Zach. Now, because he did all the work. work. (laughs) My first thought was like, is like, no, no, no. That is who I came. I did this with before. Like there's, there's a good way to interpret this. And that's not how I interpreted it.